Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing 10 numbers that we think that you should know. So Mike, the first number I'm going to start with is one of the first numbers I learned when I got into the world of, uh, of investments and finance, and it was called the rule of 72. And essentially what you did is you took the number 72 and you took whatever rate of return that you were expecting or that you received. So let's say you got a 10% rate of return and you divided the 10 into 72, it means that your money will double in roughly 7.2 years. So if you had half a million dollars, it would be worth a million dollars in 7.2 years. So let's lower that return. Maybe your return is only 7% a year. So it would take you 10 years to double that money. If it was only 6%, it might take you 12 years. So it's a really useful number to know. Once again, 72 is the number and you take your rate of return and you divide it into 72 and that tells you how quickly your money will double. Mike, what's another good number to know? So not just a number, good numbers to know is where the marginal tax rates change in Ontario and uh, federally speaking. So uh, first number to know is around the 14,000 mark. The first $14,000 of income you receive goes under your basic personal exemption, which you pay zero tax on. Believe it or not, all the way up from there to $45,000, you're in a 20% tax rate. So you're in a very low tax rate. The tax rate goes from 20 to 29 at around uh, $80,000. You're in that 29, 30% tax rate. The next big jump doesn't happen till right around $100,000. At $100,000, you move up to the 43% tax bracket. So now we're again really high. Once you get over $150,000, you're about 48%. And then you quickly move up to 50 and above. And basically in Ontario, if you make over $220,000 of income, you're paying 53.53% tax. Okay, so you should probably know your marginal tax rate. And, and that's different than your average tax rate, which is the total taxes you paid divided by your total income, right? So the marginal rate is really what you earn on that additional dollar or $10, right? Or what you pay in tax, I guess. Yeah, it's important because as you get more income each year, you know how much you're going to pay in that next dollar of income. So I'm going to go to number three on the list which is the percent of your portfolio, of your net worth, sorry, that you have in lifestyle assets. So this is a a number that I discovered by chance. You know, I've been doing this for over 30 years. And a lot of clients will say to me, you know, Rob, am, am I financially independent? And what I do is I take the value of their lifestyle assets, and that may be just their home, or maybe it's their home and their vacation property, I add those two together, and then I take the net worth, and if it's less than 30% of the total, they typically have enough money to retire. So let me give you some examples. If their net worth is a million dollars, they should be living in a house worth $300,000 or less. Now, that's pretty hard to do in Toronto. If their net worth is 
$3 million, they can afford a house that's worth $900,000. What it really means is you've got enough of an investment assets to support your lifestyle. So if someone had a net worth of $10 million, they could probably afford a $3 million house. I find it's reversed when people start when they buy their first home. Usually it's 70, 30 the other way. The house makes up 70% of their net worth and assets make up 30%. But you're right. By retirement, you should be 30% lifestyle and 70% financial assets. Uh, and now, sometimes people might have a, a cottage and a, and a house, and so their percentage is a little higher, but that's okay because all they need to do is at some point in their retirement, they need to either downsize their house or sell their cottage, one or the other. Yeah. But so, financial produce income and lifestyle take away income. Exactly. So, number four, what's the fourth number you should know, Mike? Fourth is savings rates. And a lot of times I can tell how successful someone's going to be by what their savings rate is. If someone's saving 20% of their income or higher than that, you know, without a doubt, they're going to have no financial issues in their life whatsoever. People that are at 15% are still doing pretty good because you know, that's a, that's an important part of their plan is to save, you know, minimum you start to get by people at least have to have 10% going. When you start seeing people get down to that 5% level, at least they're saving, they're not taking more money out, but it's not going to do them a lot of good. They're not going to pay for their retirement. And once you start to get under 5%, you start to know there's a lot of problems and retirement's going to be very difficult. What about if they get less than 0%, like they've got negative savings? You know, we, we talked about this on podcasts before. It's that midlife crisis on uh, financial savings. We see it happen with people that have done a great job, been those 20% savers, and all of a sudden they get to their mid to late 40s and they start taking out money. It's a problem. Yeah, it is. I also think it's important when you're determining your savings rate, it should be on your total gross income, not your net income. So it's not your after-tax income, it's your total gross income. That's the important number. Number, the fifth most important number, I think, to know, and you'd be surprised how many people don't know this, is what's your net worth? And, and so it's a really simple number. Take all your assets on one side and all your liabilities, maybe it's lines of credit or mortgages or credit cards, and subtract the two. Your assets minus your liabilities is your net worth. So is your net worth 100000 uh, you know, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. If it's if it's a million dollars, it's a good start. You've got your first million. Two millions, an even better number. And wow, 10 million would be a fantastic number to have a net worth of 10 million. I'm surprised how many people don't know that. You know, even with, I understand like when Beyonce gets questioned, she doesn't know her net worth. But some people, it, uh, they, they don't have a huge net worth, but they still wouldn't be able to tell you with even a ballpark figure where they're at. That's true. I think it's because you and I think about these numbers and we see them all day long. So we realize the importance of them. Another number that I think is important is number six. And what's that, Mike? That, that's monthly spending. And monthly spending is just to get an idea approximately how much you spend each month. You don't have to, you know, some people like to keep a, a detailed budget, know exactly how much they spent every month. But you should know if you're spending 2000 4000 5000 or 10000 uh, a month. 
we used to find this when we used to do financial, well, we still do when we do financial plans with people, they'll tell you what they spend a month and we do the numbers. They should have about $50,000 left over at the end of the year. And then you go, well, where's that $50,000? All of a sudden they start to work back. And the reality is their spending was off by about $4,000 a month. And that's where that extra 50 or $48,000 is missing. That's the money that should be going into savings, ideally. Yeah. I've had people actually say, no, no, that's my visa bill. Because <laughs> visas aren't spending money. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. We're going to number seven, your credit score. Okay. So why is it important to know your credit score? Well, especially early on when you may have to get you know, a bank loan for a car or a, 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 you may have to get your first mortgage, you may have to uh, get a bigger mortgage. Having a good credit score is important. So credit scores range between 300 on the low end and 900 on the high end. The, uh, if you've got a score of 650 or above, that's a really good credit score. An excellent credit score is 833 out of 900. So that's considered an excellent credit score. So guess what, Mike? I went and my, uh, my Scotiabank, I logged in online and I can actually look at my credit score. So what do you think it was? Uh, I'm hoping you're close to excellent. <laughs> well, I thought I'd be excellent, but I'm actually one under excellent. I'm 832. So I'm very good. I've obviously made some mistakes in my past that are still holding me back. I hate to think what they are. Okay, number eight. What's number eight, Mike? Number eight is the amount of stocks in your portfolio or the amount of growth that you have uh, your portfolio. So when you look at your mix between fixed income and stocks, you want to know ex uh, where you are. We run portfolios anywhere our probably most conservatives is 30% stocks. I mean, after that, you should basically be in cash or GICs. But some people are very conservative on that 30%. That's very unusual. Some are still 50%. Uh, most people in our, our client base are somewhere between 60 and 70% worth of equities in their portfolio. And then, you know, the people who are a little bit more aggressive or younger can push that to 80, 90 and as uh, you and myself have done in our portfolios, we're at 100%. And uh, I think you're, you might even be 110%. Are you, Rob? I, I think I'm 110% because I've used a little bit of leverage. I've taken about 10% leverage on my total net worth, or my total investment assets. So I think I'm at 110% equity. Not that that's a recommendation. No, <laughs> just I, I wouldn't suggest that for, the, for most investors. That's for sure. I think, you know, two things that are important uh, about that number is if you're saving for retirement, remember back to the rule of 72, the higher your return, the faster your money will double. Um, to get a higher return, you need more in growth. So there's number one. And number two, when you retire, you want your portfolio to keep up with inflation. So if you start moving to a 50% 50 portfolio, only half of your portfolio is going to keep up with inflation. The other half will lag behind, which means you have to lower your spending a little bit every year. Right now, when you talk to all financial advisors across Canada and say, what's the biggest problem? And it's that it's very difficult to run a conservative portfolio, given that fixed income is probably going to give you one to two percent. And, and they're having to you know, look at ways of boosting that return 
without taking on the additional risk, which is really tough to do. So number nine on our list of numbers you should know, what is your fee rate? And so if I was to look in Canada, I would say 3% is too high. So what is your total fees that you're paying to have your money managed? And those and, are going to be like hedge funds now, are they, Rob? Well, the hedge funds, but even some of the, you know, the insurance company funds that have a guarantee, they're still 3% or higher. Um, the, the average fee in Canada is about 2.5%, the average mutual fund fee. And that typically means you've got an advisor and the advisor fee is typically around 1%. So all of these numbers, if you've got an advisor, you know, 25 1% is going to the advisor, 1.5% is going to the fund company. If you're, I think a, a good fee in Canada, you need to be 2% or less if you're working with an advisor. If you're not working with an advisor, you need to be 1% or less. So those are some good numbers, but it's important to know how much you're paying as a percent in fees. This next one is going to surprise a few people because what I've found over the years is very few people actually know this number off the top of their head. And what's that number, Mike? That's how much you make in a year. Yeah. So does that, that surprise you? It, it would, unless I've done financial plans with people. People, you ask them that number and sometimes they look at you and don't have a clue where they're at, particularly retired people. I, when people are negotiating wages all the time, they have a good idea. But a lot of times when you talk to seniors, they're, they don't have a clue what their income is a year. No, it's, it's, it, it is amazing. It still uh, stuns me today when I ask someone, you know, roughly what's your income? And I say roughly, and, and sometimes they're not even close. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. You know, if you're, if you're retired, government benefits can bring you probably around $20,000 a person, a little bit under that, but somewhere around that area. So if you have a couple, they'll probably get about $40,000 worth of government benefits if they have their full CPP, full OAS and everything like that. After that, you find, you know, the, the big goal was uh, always to make $100,000 a year. It, it used to be a big number. It used to be, the, it's even the sunshine list of uh, uh, employees, right? But it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. So I was looking and the average income in Canada, now this is the average, is $89,000 a year. The median income, which is different than the average, right? The average is you take all the income together and you divide it by the number of people where the medium income is really the one in the middle. <laughs> Yeah. And it's only 65000 Yeah, so you got to remember, averages are always skewed by the very high income earners. So what is that high income earner? Well, the top 1% in Canada, it's $300,000 a year. If you're north of $300,000, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the country. So we've gone through 10. I think we've got room for a bonus. Now, Mike, this was your idea, so I'm going to let you do this one. What's the bonus number? The bonus that we use with when people retire, we call it the 4% rule. People generally ask, well, how much can I take out of my portfolio and still not have to worry about running out of money? Usually if someone's 65 and let's say you have a million dollars, assume you can take 4% pretty safely indexed with inflation until you die and run into no problems. So that means if you have a million dollars invested, you should be able to take about $40,000 a year out. Does that number change as you get older? It can, you know, once you get someone who's in their eighties, you don't have as much time to deal with, 
so you can go and bring that up a little bit. Yeah. But if you want to retire earlier too, people want to retire at 55. You can't really take 4% of 55. Yeah. You'd be much better with three, three and a half percent as a much safer number. Yep. And to, to do that, you need equities in your portfolio also. You can't do it on fixed income. No, well, certainly not today. So that's our top 10 numbers you should know, plus the bonus number, the 4% rule. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.